What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 127 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, and I am joined yet again uh, by the coolest Dave I know, Dave Hogue. <laughs> really hope my brother-in-law doesn't listen to this, because his name is Dave as well, and I didn't think that one through before I said it. I also like him. <laughs> <laughs> you were hoping I was the only Dave that was really... <laughs> no, as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, you idiot, your brother-in-law's name is Dave. <laughs> Uh, but you're both uh, cool dudes. You just happen to be the one that I podcast with. So yes. How are you now that I have already put my foot in my mouth? <laughs> I am doing well. Uh, I think both you and I are a little on the worn outside, a little kind of got to kind of rally ourselves a little bit for tonight's show. Yeah, I agree. I am, uh, I'm tired, but I'm here and, uh, glad to be here. ready to rock. Yes. But sometimes the easy thing to do would be just go take a nap. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I was going to say it's eight o'clock. I can't take a nap now. <laughs> just go to bed like the old man I am. Well, we are in Romans six. Yes, sir. We're going to finish it today. In fact, hopefully. Uh huh. Um, but is there anything that you want to chat about before we dive in? Is there anything I want to chat about? You know, the only thing I'm going to throw out there is um, I've been listening to Michelle Obama's book of all things. And I'm not going to say it's a phenomenal book, but I will say it's been very eye-opening in terms of you never really think about, because anybody that becomes president with, well, Anybody that has to make that transition, you go from being kind of a normal human being to uh, living a completely different lifestyle. And it's been very interested, interesting to get her perspective of just um, having kind of everything you do be scrutinized to the nth degree. And I've just kind of been like, not sure I really have any interest in that. So... Regardless of your politics, whoever holds that office and the people who live in that house, um, yeah, I don't think it's very easy. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. You know, so as we uh, as we embark on on talking about sin tonight, um, I guess what what my thought was as as I started speaking on that is it's boy it's so easy to point out another person's flaws, and be critical of how somebody else does something and how they live their life. And I, for one, am glad that from just on multiple levels, um, my life is not being scrutinized that way. So that was kind of the there actually was sort of a connection as to why I mentioned that, other than just sharing with our listeners that we do other things besides podcast. <laughs> well, I sure hope so at the rate we're putting these out and there's, there shouldn't be a lot yeah. of time to get stuff done <laughs> that isn't related to this. Yeah. Self dig there. <clears throat> well, that's good. I'm glad that, that, uh, you're getting some value out of that. I am. The book I'm reading has really, Nothing to do with what we're going to talk about tonight, so. The book I'm reading it. is Tattoos on the Heart. The ouch? So, it's about gangs and 
Hispanic gangs in California and Los Angeles. And it's written by a priest who has a ministry. Homeboy or homie? Homeboy? Homeboy Ministries? Homies Ministries? Something like that. So that's also a Sound, good book. Sounds like something a white guy would do. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that. Because every time I read homies and I read homeboy, I, I have that same sort of like, like, is this his phrasing, his words? Do they really call each other homie? So anyway. Greetings, homeboy. How art thou? Yeah. But it's Wish a good thou book. break bread with me? <laughs> Well, I think they even, I think that's one of the things they do. I think they even run a, they have a bakery. It's one of the things that they've, one of the businesses that they've started. Give people jobs, so. It's a good book as well. Good to know. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's a bad visual, man. Tattoos on the heart. Yeah. Not interested. <laughs> All right. I say we jump into uh, the Bible. All right. And we are in Romans chapter 6. Starting in verse 15, we're going to go all the way through the end of the chapter, which is 23. And 23. And, that's what I meant to say, I think I'm going to read tonight just to mix things up. That would be awesome. What then? Are we to sin because... We are not under the law, but under grace by no means. Do you not? Oh my gosh, I can't read it all tonight. This is awful. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit you were getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you think, Dave? Where do you want to start? You know, I one of the things is, I, if I'm honest as we read that, I feel like I'm still a slave to sin. I don't feel like I'm a slave to righteousness. And so I'm a little bit, I, I, I often have this when it comes to Romans, I often have this sort of like, man, I don't feel like I'm doing what I should be doing as a believer. And I don't, I definitely don't come from a standpoint of, well, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace, so I should be able to sin all I want. You know, that's definitely not my perspective, but I definitely feel like sin is still something that I struggle with and I wrestle with. And I don't, I would certainly not describe myself as a slave to righteousness. 
Yeah, that is an interesting uh, phrase, especially when it says, um, uh, for you have been set free from sin, but have become slaves of righteousness. It's like, so even, even in our freedom, you know, from the bad stuff, we're still slaves to the good thing, which I guess, I mean, you know, I guess it's a weird way to say it, but it makes sense. Like, no, sure. It makes sense. But it's just, you know, an odd way to, to, to phrase it, I guess. But it, it, I guess saying slave of righteousness means like you have no choice but to be righteous, right? Mm-hmm. Like it owns you. Um, you have no option but to obey the master and the master at this, you know, in this, in this situation is righteousness. So I get what you're saying. I think based on how I understand it, that you don't feel like a slave to righteousness because you still do sin. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and if I, if I were to look at what, you know, I naturally do throughout the day, I feel like my natural tendency is, is to sin. Uh, and my natural tendency, like it feels like it still takes effort for me to pursue righteousness and put Christ first in my life versus boy, sin does feel very natural and very easy to do. And, you know, even in that, you know, Maybe maybe it's defining what it means to be under grace because because it's certainly nothing that I do as we've talked about multiple you know many times on this is that there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation I'm certainly under grace mm-hmm. so maybe my definition is is a bit off and I don't completely um don't completely uh, understand what Christ has done for me or I don't completely live in that place of what Christ has done for me um, and understand that even though my natural tendency is one thing, I live under grace. So maybe that's, I don't know. Do you have wisdom for me? What does it mean to be, <laughs> what does it mean to be under grace? <laughs> um, as far as I understand being under grace means that we're forgiven, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That there is like the idea, the idea of like the cup, you know, running over, like there's, there, there's more than we could ever need. There's more grace. There's more forgiveness. There's more mercy than, than we could ever, like we couldn't dry that well. Um, to which, you know, Paul's point, what then? Like, should we, uh, should we uh, sin because we're uh, under grace? Like, there's, the grace is so plentiful and so abundant that we can just keep sinning and, you know, there would still be more grace to be had. Like, it would never go away. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think the trick not the trick. I think the issue that that you and me struggle with in in is this wording of like, I'm saved, I'm in that grace, yet I still sin, mm-hmm. and so it's easy to, f- to feel like we're like in the, this middle ground. We're mm-hmm. like, I'm not a slave to sin in the sense that I have been saved by Jesus, so sin does not have eternal power over me anymore. It doesn't determine my my trajectory, my destination. It doesn't determine my uh, relationship with God or with other people. 
my relationship with God and uh, his saving grace and being brought into his kingdom is what has the determining factor over my, my eternity and my relationships. But yet I still sin. And so I think it is easy to see us as like, kind of like in a middle state where like, we're not slave to sin because of what Christ has done, but we're not slaves to righteousness because we still make a sin here and there. Right. Right. And what I would, I would say is that we are fully in God's camp, Mm -hmm. but because we are still in the physical world, in our physical bodies and our sanctification is not yet complete, we are in transition to get closer to God. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that the temptation to sin goes away. It doesn't even mean that the sin stops 100%. No one's perfect outside of Jesus. And it is, it is up to us to allow God to, you know, scripture says complete the good work that he has begun which is our salvation. And so I think it's easy to, especially like I think for me and you based on, you know, our conversations over the years to look in the mirror and be really fed up with the, the mistakes we, we see ourselves making the sins we commit, you know, Mm -hmm. and see all the bad stuff and get really frustrated and maybe even down on ourselves and let that sin that's already been defeated by Jesus try and pull us further away from God because, you know, there's days where I look at myself and I'm like, nope, not worthy. Like, don't, <laughs> you know, I'm just not going to be spend time with God today because I'm such a, you know, insert bad word, you know, like, and so I like, I let the sin beat me twice. Right. Like, and, you know, I was talking to uh, my my um, high school guy, Smogger, the other night about this. Like, in a sports, like, when um, when Ohio State lost to Purdue that was, in football, that was a game that Ohio State should not have lost. They lost to a far inferior team, and they got beat pretty bad. Then the next week, they went and played Maryland and had to go to overtime to beat Maryland, a team they should have destroyed. So that the, the idea in sports is, like, you, you get a bad loss— and then if you play like crap the next game and lose again, it's like the first team beat you twice. Mm-hmm. Like oh, they yeah. messed you up so bad the first time that it carried over and to another team that you should have beat and you lost again. And now in, in that example, obviously Ohio State won, but they had to go to overtime. But you see it in teams like that where one bad, like really bad thing happens and it carries over to the next thing and affects them again. And that's sort of like how I see how I see myself sometimes when I know that I live in grace. I know that I'm saved. I know that, you know, my place now because of what Jesus did is with God. But when I do sin, I can oftentimes let that sin beat me twice Mm -hmm. by then me feeling like I'm not even worthy to go confess my sin to God and say, sorry, sinned again. I just, I'm like, no, I'm going to wait. And it's, it's just, it's, it's the feeling of shame. I think, um, that I, I feel like I'm letting God down and like he wasted, you know, some good salvation points on me. Yeah. Um, 
so I think that's just kind of the part of the part of being sanctified, being made more like Christ is just is working through the issues we have with our sin and why we sin and, you know, issues of being, you know, uh, shamed or feeling unworthy. Like that is Satan's attempt to still get the sin to have its power over us, even though it doesn't have the power over us because Christ died and was raised again. And as we've talked about in Romans the whole time, that's, that's all about removing the power of sin and death and bringing us into forgiveness and light and life. And so I think living under grace, we have to constantly remind ourselves that the sin does not have the final word. Mm -hmm. God does. When we do sin, yeah, we screwed up, but there's grace for it. And the grace has the power, not the sin. Just like we talked about Christ having, you know, Christ, everything that Christ did overpowered everything that Adam did. Yes. This is more of the same. And so in a very, very long winded response, I would say that, uh, living in grace is not letting the sin have the power that it once had. Mm-hmm. It is acknowledging that the sin happened, but also acknowledging the fact that there is forgiveness and there is hope that the Holy spirit is going to continue to work in us and through other people to make us more like Christ where mm-hmm. the sin has less and less effect and yeah. hopefully less and less occurrence. Yeah. But to sit there and, you know, I'm preaching to myself here to sit there and let the sin beat us twice. is just really stupid. And something that I know that I need to work on. I need, you know, my response when I sin needs to be immediately to go to God and not run further away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it, so as you were talking about the sin beating us twice, you know, there's, there's definitely this sense for me of when I let the sin beat me twice, that second time there's, there's this like unspoken sort of sense that I am in control of my (laughs) salvation. You know, it's kind of like, Oh, I sinned. And boy, if I hadn't have done that, I'd have been a good Christian. And it's like, like, it's kind of just this implicit that I actually have the ability to overcome that, which I, I clearly don't. Um, one, both from the evidence of my life and two, uh, because of what we see in scripture. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great example of that being beaten twice because at, at least for me, as I think about that second time, I really am kind of saying, I should be strong enough. I should be good enough. Gosh, darn it. I should be able to overcome this sin. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when the reality is, is I can't. And, you know, the other thought that I just, that I had in this is, um, I don't believe I use grace as an excuse to sin. You know, I, and I think that's what, what is Paul is talking about here is there, you know, there's Christians that were like, well, we're under grace. We can do whatever we want. And he's, you know, he's clearly well, I mean, saying that is kind of appealing. Is it not? It, it's very appealing. It's very appealing. And, 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 and even as I say it, you know, there's kind of that, Hmm. I don't know that I'm a completely even guilt, you know, completely innocent in that sense of, 
You know, I'm not going to wave my righteousness banner and go, oh, I sin, but I only sin because, you know. Um, but I, 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 I think the danger is in, in trying to justify the sin that we live by say, or the sin that we do by saying, well, I'm under grace, so it doesn't matter. I'm good. I'm okay. And uh, obviously the, the word that's critical here is to repent of our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we repent of it, and I think even in that, there is definitely a, the word repent, you know, has an indication of, of turning from our sin and turning towards, you know, turning from the sin and turning towards Christ and, and relying in him doesn't mean we're not going to have uh, sin in our life that um, is uh, reoccurring, uh, that we do things more than once that we don't want to do. Um, and again, it's, it's not this magical, I believe the right thing and I have the, might, the right mindset. I think it's truly that understanding of just how depraved we are and how much we need him and how much we, you know, um, we can't do it on our own. And so, um, the under grace part I get, uh, I think the other thing I I still just am a little bit hung up on, or maybe I'm being convicted of is I, I would have a hard time describing myself as somebody that has become slaves, a slave of righteousness, as it says mm-hmm. in verse 18. Yeah, I'm just going to reread that real quick. Uh, and having bet, yeah, been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So, and then even that, you know, he kind of goes, he kind of even kind of gets away from the, the spiritual and says, I'm speaking in human terms <laughs> because of your natural limitations. So it's like, as I read verse 19, I'm like, oh, dang, that's so me. Like, he's so, Paul, like, is nailing it on the head. He's like, yeah, your your natural limitations has prevented you from completely understanning this. And uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it, I'm going to break it down for you. So, Talking in human terms because you're dummy. Yeah. Which, again, that's me. Yeah. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. Hmm. Sounds familiar. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Hmm. Hmm. So it says, present yourself, your members, like your body, your, your things as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I was earlier talking about sanctification leading to being a slave to righteousness, but it seems Paul has it the other way. Mm, interesting. Which, yes, it is peculiar. So maybe, maybe we're misunderstanding the slaves of righteousness part. Maybe. Cause that, which is weird, because it seems pretty obvious what that means. Righteousness is the master, we are the slaves. We do what the righteousness says we should do, right? <laughs> but if that leads to sanctification or maybe it's maybe it's not so much sanctification is the destination and slave being a slave to righteousness is like the vehicle it's like maybe being saved um by god that begin that begins our sanctification but like we have to be a slave to something according to this and so if it can no longer be sin then it must be righteousness 
Because like we don't always sin. No, no. There are there are moments in the day when we actually don't. <laughs> but we were still slaves to sin, and so maybe it's maybe it's the the concept that righteousness as the master has the say over has the power over our lives. And in that sense, like the slave, you know, did not have claim to their own life. It was the master that had that. And the master could feed them or starve them or beat them and kill them or treat like the master controlled their destiny. Their lot in life was predetermined by whatever the master said or did. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's more of the concept here is that again, sin no longer has that power over us. It doesn't dictate our future um, or our relationship with God. God's righteousness now has that power and determines, you know, who we are, what we are, um, what our trajectory is, what our, what our destination is. Maybe it's more of thinking of it that way. I'm not, I'm not sure though. Mm-hmm. I mean, that all sounded good to me, but you know, leave it to Paul to confuse us normal people. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, just real quick, if you guys are, you know, obviously people are listening, um, but if you have thoughts or um, ideas or just want to tell us straight up what this means, let us know, please. Um, You know, we never claim to have all the answers here. We just have microphones. (laughs) So you know how to get a hold of us by this point. Um, If not, just look in the show notes and there'll be ways to do that. So. Usually don't do that middle of the show, but I felt like, you know, if we're not going to give you something that we feel super, super, super confident on, then we're going to ask for help. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're also overthinking it. I don't know. It's possible. Like we said, we're both <laughs> a little loopy. So, um, overthinking it is a possibility, maybe overcomplicating it. Um, because I don't, I don't think I can overthink Paul. I feel like Paul no, is. I didn't say outthink. I said overthink. Oh, those, overthink. Those are, okay. those are <laughs> those, two different things. <laughs> that, that, that is a good clarification. I really, I, I think you're, you're, you're being defeated twice by sin, I think is a great, uh, for me personally has been a very good sort of, um, I think what it boils down to is I just. I don't live under grace in, in the sense of um, there's nothing I can do about it. Like I am completely and utterly dependent on his grace for my forgiveness and for my salvation. And I think this is kind of what you were talking about with the, with the in-between is, is even as I say that, I still feel like there's this obligation on me uh, to strive to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, to strive to not do um, certain things. Um, I also personally have this suspicion that Satan is very good at getting us um, focused on, um, and, and, and even as I say this, I'm not sure I'm, 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 I'm doing it justice, but I feel like he has us focus on um, sins that culturally have been elevated to a higher status 
and therefore we miss out maybe on some of the deeper sin. And I understand that even as these words are coming out of my mouth, that I'm trying to um, quantify sin. Um, but but one of the things that I, that like is not forefront on my mind as I go through the day is, um, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in this place of. I don't pray enough, but I can certainly get consumed with, oh, I gossip too much. I lie too much. I talk poorly about other people too much. I have impure thoughts too much. When maybe, gosh, and it's just even as, even as I'm saying this, I feel like it falls short, but um, I wonder if the bigger issue might be I'm not praying enough. You know, I'm not pursuing him. I'm not seeking him. I'm not chasing after God, but I'm almost consumed by my list of do's and don'ts versus just simply being in relationship by with God and being loved by him and loving him. And um, I'm not even sure if that makes sense or not, but. No, it, it did. So I, as you were talking, I was thinking of. Everything that you were saying was linked to a negative thing. I'm not doing right. this. I'm not, or I'm doing this bad thing too much as opposed to having the opposite approach, which is I'm just going to focus on God. I'm just right. going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to look to God. I'm going to, I'm, you know, you said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to worship. I'm going to, I'm going to put my attention and my focus on chasing God and less so on the list of things that I keep screwing up or the things that I, you know, like quantifying it, you know, and it sounds super churchy to be like, just, I'm just going to look to God, you know, but that, (laughs) but like, that means praying, that means reading your Bible, that means being involved in a Christian community, that means worshiping, that means asking for forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. And in, 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 embracing mercy and grace and forgiveness and seeking truth. And I think based on, you know, what I've read and the conversations I've had in, in watching people live who, um, I consider to be, uh, strong Christian influences in, in my life and life of others is oftentimes those people aren't concerned with, the negative stuff they are. So their focus is, is on God and on moving towards him and on, you know, progress and on, um, growing, you know, running the Christian race to use, you know, a biblical phrase, um, and just walking with God. And, you know, like we always say on the show, like the results are up to God, right? Yep. And luckily in our case of, you know, our eternal well-being the results are up to god um yeah (laughs) but so too like if we if we remove the the need to check the list or uh if we remove focusing on the negativity of i screwed up again i did this too much i did that too much i didn't do this like like you just get down on yourself and you get bogged down with the insurmountable you know, mountain you have to climb or do you think you can climb right to, to get, you know, like pick yourself up by your boots and do it. You know, I'm American. I'm going to get her done. 
Um, but like, we can't do that. And so again, back to maybe your earlier question, I think live living in grace means we realize there's a reason we have to live in grace. It's the only way we get to be with God. And that means we need to focus on him and let the crap just, you know, roll down the stream, mm-hmm. which is easier said than done. Cause if it was that easy, I mean, you wouldn't be having this conversation, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yes. I think it's, it's really important for people like you and me to remind ourselves of this, just like focus on God, mm-hmm. focus on God, focus on God. And you know what? See what happens. I'm totally cool with giving that a shot. You know, because right. my way has my way hasn't necessarily been working. <laughs> <laughs> you know, experiment, poke the box, see what happens. Like, what would it look like if, if I sin? Not if, when I sin, I immediately turn to God, and have a conversation with Him about it. What would it look like if instead of staying up till two o'clock watching YouTube videos, I either go to bed early and get a good night's sleep, or I spend time reading or praying? Or in worship. No, and I'm not saying I have to be up till 2 a.m. doing that. I'm just saying, like, don't waste my time doing something, you know, it's entertaining, but at, at some point, like, I should just go to bed, you know, but why not, why not spend time with God instead, you know, or with Christian friends or, like, having actual conversations. So, uh, anyways, I, I, I don't want to beat the horse too badly. <laughs> But yeah, cause, cause, um, yeah, there's, I feel like there's time, like you said, when I have time to seek God and spend time with him through prayer and his word. And I know I am clearly choosing whatever it is. It, it, it may not even be evil or bad, but it is not God and I'm choosing it over him. And uh, I, I, I certainly think in that, um, I desire, you know, I desire, um, <laughs> for him to be what I seek and what I want to be with, but in my human flesh and my, you know, sinful nature, I, I, I don't, um, I don't do that. I don't choose him over the other things as we've been talking, you know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of, of Martin Luther's quote that says to sin and to sin boldly. I'm not even familiar with that. Yeah. So, and to be honest with you, I don't know where he said it, where he wrote it. Um, But I do know that it has been attributed to Luther as saying, you know, he says to, to sin and to sin boldly. And I think it's this, this sort of this idea of, well, this is how one of the, this is one of the ways that I interpret it, or this is one of my things is, you know, God really knows our sin regardless of what we're doing. And the only thing that we're doing when we sin and we try to hide it is we're hiding it from other human beings. Yeah. Maybe a little bit from ourselves. Uh, but definitely my motivation for hiding my sin is to hide it from other people. 
And so when Luther says to sin, to sin boldly, I don't think it's sin and sin proudly. I think it's sort of a, you're not fooling the person that matters. You're not fooling God when you (laughs) sin and you try to hide it. You know, you're a sinner and you need to embrace the reality of that. And so even throughout this conversation, you know, I'm, I'm really just sort of thinking of, you know, I've got nothing on God um, in terms of my sin. He knows exactly who I am, why I do what I do. And when I try to pretend like that's not who I am or I don't do those things, it's really, I'm trying to please man and I'm not trying to please God. And so there really is this, this freedom to a certain extent, (laughs) because I think, well, I think there's a freedom to just say, I am a sinner and I don't sin because I'm proud of it. I sin because, um, and don't try to hide it because the person who it really matters knows that that's who I am and that's what I do. And by living in a place of boldness in my sin, I am fully embracing this idea of I am under grace and it has nothing to do with my own ability but everything to do with Jesus Christ dying on the cross uh, for me. And I live in that and I own that. And that is very much a, a place where I need to be and I need to exist. Um, again, because I'm only lying to myself and I'm only hiding it from others. I'm not, I'm not keeping anything from God. So... No, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of it that way before. That's really kind of funny. We're all like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. Like, right. Nice try, <laughs> nice try, guys. <laughs> way to think this one through. So we've been, fr- we've been set free from sin. We've become slaves of God. The fruit we get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. So um, I'm glad that God is a big God and he's bigger than my sin and my ways of, of justifying all of this because um, I'm grateful for eternal life and the fact that my name is written in the, the book of life and that it's God's decision. It's not my decision. It's not anybody else's decision. Agreed. So one of the verses in, in, in chapter six that I think gets quoted the most and that people are probably more familiar with than others is verse 23 that says the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord where the free gift I think really sums up what we've been talking about all night yeah it's not what I do it's not what you do it's not what I hide from somebody else but it is truly the free gift of God and that free gift is well, it's, it's the ultimate gift. It's eternal life. It's living forever uh, because you can't experience anything else without, unless you're alive, right? And so um, it's not just the 70 to 100 years that we're given here on this earth, but it's truly eternal life, which I'm not going to totally go down this rabbit path, but does, does thinking about eternity ever scare the heck out of you? <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> so yeah. that's that's the other thing too it's like 
you know, me and my human nature, human um, fallibility, when I think about eternal life and you're in that moment of uh, deep contemplation before you fall asleep or whenever it may be, it, it actually can be unsettling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which then, if you take it to that next kind of, well, which would you rather be? Would you rather be in paradise with God or would you rather be an eternal separation from God? Boy, you would think that would sure dictate how we live our lives <laughs> if we really believe that to tr- to be true or if it was, you know, yeah. what we say we believe. So, so it's funny you say that because um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we spent a couple of weeks at church talking about heaven and hell and, you know, mm-hmm. what happens after you die. And um, the thesis for like all three weeks was what you believe about eternity will dictate how you live your life. Yeah. And it I was should. like, yeah, that makes sense. It should. I don't know if it does. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that think hell isn't real. And he also said, you know, if I was the devil, the biggest trick I would play was make you think that hell wasn't real. Or if that was impossible, make you think it's not that bad of a deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the, so the, the, the phrase, uh, what you believe about eternity um, should dictate how you live your life. And I think yeah, that should be true. I just don't know how, how much thought people put into it because as you said, thinking about it can, can really do a number on your, your brain, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think about life after death frequently and I'm like, gosh, I, I can't go to hell. Like I won't, I won't survive, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So kind of on that note and and I'll, uh, I think I'll be able to send this to you. So um, Penn and Teller of uh, the, the Las Vegas um, comedian slash magician slash, I think they're illusionists. Um, I think his name's Penn Gillette Mm -hmm. of Penn and Teller. Yeah. Um, there's a video of him talking about an audience member meeting him after the show and sharing his faith with him. Isn't Penn's a pretty strong atheist? Isn't He's he? a very strong atheist. And like outspoken. And outspoken. But his point to what we, which you and I are talking about, and I will send this to you. And I hope that the folks who listen to this podcast will make an effort to look at this because and well, even as I say that, I may not be able to find it, but he makes, <laughs> he makes the point that if you truly believe that I am going to hell, so Penn speaking to the audience and in particular, mm-hmm. this person that came up to him after the show, he's like, if you truly believe my eternal destination is hell, then why on earth are you not doing everything to convince me of that? Yeah. Like if that is really what you believe and, and, he, and he, he talks about this person that comes up to him after the show and, and just sort of really kind of just says, this is what I expect of Christians. And um, it's interesting to sort of hear that from an atheist and somebody that is so vocal about his disbelief of God that he's going, well, I mean, I don't know if you've heard Dave, but Christians are hypocrites. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know I am. That's, a really good point though. It's a really good point. And it's even more powerful when it comes from a guy like him. Yeah. And, and I, I believe this video is like 
like 10 years old at this point, but uh, I'll see if I can find that and send that to you because um, it, he makes some very, very valid arguments, if not extremely convicting um, arguments. So Cool. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Just like that, 45 minutes have gone by. Yes. Thank you for uh, giving us your time. Hopefully uh, you uh, enjoyed the show, got, um, you know, some, some valuable, some value out of it. Um, if that's the case, then all God for sure. Um, Absolutely. But you can check out the show notes uh, at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 127. Or if you're listening on your um, phone or tablet, it's going to be inside the app that you're listening in. Swipe around. It's there somewhere. Uh, there you'll find links to our Twitter. You'll find uh, email. You'll find link to our Patreon if you want to support us with a dollar. Uh, or, uh, or also you'll find a link to the subreddit as well where you can discuss this episode. Any final thoughts, Dave? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just uh, appreciate people listening and going on this journey with us. Indeed. I appreciate your time as well, sir, and your insight. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, farewell. Bye.